0: be you all.
1: I thank God for all that He has done, and I praise God for this nice surprise. Why is it here today? Yes. I did not see that one coming, but God is good. He is very good to us. Today's going to be a smidge, a little kind of different—not too different—but instead of really preaching, the Lord put it on my heart to really kind of teach this morning. Because this is, one, it's a new year, and God has so many blessings in store for us. But if you don't know how to serve God, if you don't really know who God is, if you don't really know what He's expecting from you, you can't really do it. You know, you have to know what God wants from you in order for you to be able to do it. You have to know who God is and what He expects from you. And a lot of times God lets us be successful because we don't know. And he said, if you don't know, you'll be beat with a few stripes. But if you do know and you don't do it, then you get beat with many stripes. So today is going to be kind of a small little, almost a Sunday school instead of a a Sunday morning service. I'll be reading Malachi 3, 6 through 12. We're going to Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. Leviticus 19, 32. Proverbs 16, 31. 1 Peter 4, 8 through 10. Matthew 5, 16 through 20, and 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 10. Let us rise. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for another day. Thank you, my God, for your many blessings. Thank you, Lord, for always being with us. Thank you for always providing for us. My Father, let this word be planted upon good ground that we may bring forth a hundredfold. My Father, open up our eyes and our ears spiritually that we may see and hear and understand and follow after you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Jesus said in the, in the scripture that we'll get to, I did not come to destroy the law of the prophets. I came to fulfill them. There's a big saying a lot of times we hear, though you probably have heard or I have heard, that we are not under the law anymore. We are under grace and truth. Well, that's partially right and partially wrong. The reason it's partially wrong is because Jesus said, I didn't come to destroy the law and the prophets, which means we still have the entire law. He just taught us how to do it in spirit and in truth without the flesh. Now, the part that we're not under the law is the law of sin and death. We don't have to be killed. We don't drop dead. We don't have to sacrifice animals. We don't have to die just because we made a mistake. None of that is done. We're not under the law of sin. We're not sold under sin anymore. We're not bound by sin anymore. Jesus took that and nailed it to the cross. But the law of God will remain forever. That is the law that we are under no matter what, and we have to, if we don't know really what it is, then we kind of can't follow it. And Jesus kind of like winks and let it lets it slide because we don't know. But then there comes a time when we have to know and we have to grow and we have to um, excel in Christ. So the first thing is for all the children, and I want all the children to pay very close attention. And it is in Ephesians chapter six, Verse one through
0: four. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and
1: that thou mayest live long on the earth. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath,
0: but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord.
1: So the children, when your parents tell you to do something, just do it. I don't care if you think you know better, like let us say for an example, we normally put water in a pot, boil the water, then put the noodles. Normally, many people do that. But if you're going to do that, and your dad says, or your mom says, don't do that, put the noodles in the pot first, turn it on, and then put the water. I don't care how backward you may think that sounds, because your mom or your dad told you to do it that way, that's what you do. If the kitchen burns down, that's their problem. They will handle it. They will fix it. If anything messes up, God will tell them and they will take care of it. But your job is to obey your parents no matter what they say, if they're in the Lord. Now, if they tell you, you don't have to give God praise and you don't have to thank Jesus, that you don't have to listen to because you need to always thank and praise God. But... Anything else that is not against God, you have to obey them. That is one promise that God made to all of us. If you obey your parents, if you honor your father and your mother, you'll live a good life, a long life. You won't be full of diseases and sicknesses and people that you see walking around when they got older and they're bent over so bad they can't straighten back up. And none of that will happen to you because he promised you you will go. it will go well with you. You will have everything you need. You will have all that you physical needs and spiritual needs if you obey and honor your father and your mother. If you don't, and your dad has to tell you more than once, then he starts thinking of ways to discipline you. And when he starts thinking of ways to discipline you, Jesus has already planned your discipline because he don't like that. Jesus doesn't like when your dad or your mom has to tell you one thing more and more and more and more. He don't like that. He likes it when he tells you once, do it. And that goes not only for the children, but for us adults too. When God tells us to do something, don't make him tell us over and over and over again. If he says do it, just do it. If he says don't, don't. And this will help us in this year to be not only successful physically, but very successful spiritually. He said, I would you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. God doesn't want us poor. He doesn't want us to beg. He doesn't want us to borrow. He doesn't want that kind of life for us. He wants us to have so much till we could land expecting nothing in return. He wants us to have so much until we could freely give. If somebody says, hey, can I borrow a couple hundred dollars? He wants us to be able to just give it, you know, because that's how blessed God wants us to be. But we can't obtain the promises of God except through obedience. So then when he says, obey your parents, let's also obey our parents. And then, these sound funny, but when I looked into it, it really wasn't funny. The Bible says that when a man walks into your house, if he's a man, we'll read it. Go to Leviticus 19.32.
0: Thou shalt rise up before the hoary head, and honor the face of the old man, and fear thy God, I am the Lord.
1: The hoary head is somebody that is older, and they have gray hair or white hair, whatever color you want to call it. And the reason that is that you need to stand up when they go into your house. And I thought it was just, when I was little, we had to do that. When we had Uncle Feast or Bishop Dennison or one of the elders of the church, the older people, and they walked in our house, we all had to stand up until they said, you can be seated. And if they didn't say that, we better not sit down. We had to stay standing like soldiers. And then when they would say, you can be seated, then we can go on about our day. As a child, I was I did it because I was told to, but I really didn't understand why. But now we're going to understand why God wants us to do that. We're going to Proverbs sixteen thirty one. The hoary head is a crown of glory if it be found in the way of righteousness. So imagine when you get, when somebody goes to your house, the crown of glory, the Holy Ghost is entering into your house. And when you don't respect and reverence the Holy Ghost, you're really not doing something good for yourself. So when a man of God is an older man and he has gray hair, he has a crown of glory and he walks into your house, you're not really honoring the man, you're honoring the crown of glory, you're honoring the Holy Ghost when he walks into your house and you stand up. And it says in another scripture to be given to hospitality. Hospitality means a lot along of the lines of serving somebody, hospitality means to give to somebody, don't don't treat strangers differently. Be kind to one another, and what that also goes for is when you walk into the house of God or even in a person's house, you show that house respect. You go to the courtroom, you cannot really get favor from the judge if you're dressed in your kind of way, and they will tell you to remove your hat if you're a man and you walk into the courtroom. They will make you take it off. It's a sign of respect. So even in the house of God, we need to. When we go into the house of God, take your hat off. You know, you go to somebody's house if you're a man, not a woman. Women they could wear whatever they want on their heads or whatever. It's an honor if they have their hair, head covered. It's a dishonor if a man has his head covered. So when you walk into somebody's house out of respect and honor, you take your hat off, especially in the house of God. And one reason it it was on my heart to uh, have this Sunday school thing, whatever you want to call it today, is because I went to a church. And when I went to a church, I saw a pastor that walked into the church and he had his hat on and he was dressed all some kind of way. And he had no respect for the sanctuary. Not that he was trying to be rude. He probably didn't know. He probably was never taught. He probably didn't know. But I looked and I I was like, you can't go in the sanctuary like that. You know, this is the house of God. You know, we are supposed to reverence the house of God. But then the Lord started showing me there's a lot of people that don't know these things. They don't know respect. And when you find a child disrespecting you, your own child, you don't like to be disrespected by your own child. You really don't. And how much more the king of kings, he don't want to be disrespected by us. He is holy. He is God. He is so high above. Now, some people may think, well, all of this isn't going to get you kicked out of the kingdom of heaven. The Bible doesn't say it will or won't. But what it does say is if we don't keep the commandments of God, we don't love him. And if we don't love him, do you really think we're going to go to heaven if we don't love Jesus? So if we don't show him respect and reverence, then how do we know we love him? If we can't do it with each other, then how do we know we love him? So when you see somebody walking by, put your feet in I've had to step over people's feet because they don't even bother to move. That's not respect. Do unto others as you would do unto them. That you would them do unto you. So when you're walking by you, or you're sitting down, somebody's passing by, tuck your feet and Let them go. Stand up for the hoary head. So far right now, we don't know anybody that has great... Well, I started getting my crown when I was 18, so don't worry about that part. But, and it would feel weird if I walked to your house and you're still so so dumb but after a certain age and i'm gonna the bible don't say an age it just says hoary head so i don't think if they have a few gray hairs that counts but if they are a lot of gray hair i really you do need to stand up and it's a good way to practice and get used to it because the more we go on and the more we want to see god move if god moves like we want him to do we're going to run into a lot of those there's going to be bishops and deacons back like in the day and we need to learn how to behave ourselves, not only in the house of God, but at our own house. Because if God sends somebody to bless our house, and we don't have no respect for them walking in, do you really think we're going to get that blessing? You know, Bishop Dennison, Deacon McSwain, Uncle Feaster, when they walked to the house, they would bless our house. And what would happen if we were all disrespectful? We wouldn't receive that blessing. So we need to learn how to be respectful. We're going to 1 Peter 4, 8-10. through
0: And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves. For charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God.
1: See, when Jesus was here, he didn't go sit down with the priests and the the scribes and the Pharisees and all the ones that were um, supposed to be knowing the law and goody teachers. He didn't go sit with those people. He was given to hospitality. He went to the strangers he went to the poor people he went to the ones that were probably as bad as you could possibly think paul said i am chief among the sinners because i persecuted the churches that's who jesus went associated with when we when we are are being people of god and we are as good as we possibly can be and God begins to bless us, and he gives us power, and He we obtain favor of the Lord, and he is so gracious unto us, and we're happy. We're not supposed to think that we're above anybody, because we're not above anybody. Jesus is above everybody, and he sends us where he wants to go, and that is to the sick, to the deaf, to the lame, to the poor, to that person that just don't want to change is the ones that we're supposed to be going to. And if we're not given to hospitality, we're going to look down on those people. We're not going to want to serve somebody that's supposed to be beneath us. That's not the way that works. Hospitality is to put yourself lower than everybody else. If somebody walks in here and they look like they don't know God and don't want to know God, those are the people we're supposed to want to change and to get to know and to be friendly with. We draw people through love and respect, not through harsh and and rude and disrespectful and you're going to hell because you did this. That's not what God wants you to do. He wants you to draw people through love and respect. there's not one time in the Bible that Jesus, as far as I read, maybe you have. If you have, I would like to read it. But there's not one time, as far as I know, in the Bible that Jesus ever told a sinner what they did wrong I don't think I've ever read that he forgave everybody he said go and sit no more lest the worst thing come upon you but he never said well you did this and you did that and you can't do this and you can't he never said none of that but now to the people that thought they were good oh yeah he did He said, you blind leaders of the blind, you're hypocrites, you're fools, you're this, you're that. He went on and told them because those are the ones that were acting like they were so good and righteous. So when you start acting like that, then yes, Jesus will put you in your place. But as long as you're humble, it doesn't matter how bad you are. It doesn't matter how bad that person was. We have to show them the same kind of love and respect. And when these doors begin to open more and more and more, And I really pray and hope to God that he helps me very, very much because people know I have a very look on my face of dislike or like or disapproval or approval and I cannot hide it, you know, and I don't know how and I'm not saying that I want to say good is bad and bad is good. I don't want to do that. But at the same time, I don't want somebody to walk in here really needing help and needing Jesus. And they see the look on my face and they say, yeah, I'm not going to that church because they already judged me. I don't want them to feel that way. You know, when they walk in here, they're supposed to feel the love of God and the respect of the Holy Ghost and want to be a part of the family of God. You know, so then I pray too for myself, Lord, don't let me judge somebody. Not that I judge them, but don't let me give them that look that makes them like, I'm good. I I don't want that to happen. You know, so we need to be given to hospitality, and if we practice hospitality at our homes, with ourselves, with each other, we will be able to do it with somebody else that walks in the church. And we will be able to show them that they are welcome. Jesus got ridiculed and talked down to. Why do you eat with publicans and sinners? And that's who he came for. And he told them, I didn't come for the righteous, I came for the sinners. I didn't come for the goody two-shoes, I came for the ones that need me, which I praise God because I need him, period. There wouldn't be no me without him. There's just, that wasn't going to happen. I needed that. If Jesus would have said, well, I'm only coming for the ones that are saved, then I wouldn't be here today because there's no way that I was a goody teacher all my life and I still make mistakes to this very day. So we need Jesus and we need to show the same hospitality to other people. We're going to Malachi chapter three, starting at verse six. It says, for I am the Lord, I change not. And then in the New Testament, Jesus said Jesus Christ is saved yesterday and today and forever. God's not gonna change. His word is never gonna change. We could want it to change, We could hope that it changes. We could really try to bend it, but it's not. It's going to stay the same. He says, I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. And the reason we're not consumed is because of his love and his compassion and he promised to have mercy and forgive and and so we're not consumed yet. Verse seven, even from the days of your fathers, ye are gone astray from mine ordinances. Ordinances are kind of like instructions. So over the years, People have fell away from God's instructions. I mean, they get farther and farther and farther and farther away. And then now we're trying to have church and we come to the house of God. And there's like, you go to a lot of churches and the ordinances are gone. Like the way God wants things done, even operating in the church, they're gone. They just little by little have gone away. It says, return unto me and I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But ye say, wherein shall we return? People don't even know that they're that far off from God. They have no idea that they're that far off. And he's telling us return. Verse 8, it says, will a man rob God? The word rob means to plunder, which plunder means to steal goods from a place or a person, to take away, to consume, to cover it up. In other words, when... God tells you to do something or give somebody something and you make excuses, you're covering up the truth, you're covering up the reasons why, and you're making these excuses why you should. Like when Jesus told me the uh, when I was in North Carolina, give that man what's in your pocket. No, that's not happening. That's all the money that I have. I, I made all the excuses not to. So I was covering up the truth I didn't want to give the last that I had. I regretted it very badly afterwards, but the point is don't cover it up. Don't try to cover up when the Holy Ghost tells you, do something, don't try to cover up. It means to defraud. Defraud means to withhold something that is due somebody. So he says, you have robbed me, but you say, wherein have we robbed you? In tithes and in offerings. A tithe is 10% of all of your increase. Now, I've heard a lot of People say that, uh, and I'm really bad at checks, I don't know what the gross is versus the net or the net or the gross. I don't really know that, but so I'll just tell you my my terms, how I understand something. When they give you a check and you look and it says that you made $3,000 and you go to the bank and you cash the check and they only give you $2,000 and you're wondering what will happen to the other $1,000. I don't believe that you have to give ties off of the $3,000 when you cash your check and you only got $2,000 and the reason I looked at it that way is because one day I was praying because I heard a lot of pastors say no 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 you have to give tithes out of, out of the, the whatever the one is higher the gross or the net, the gross you have to give tithes out of the gross and I was like well I didn't get the gross <laughs> you know but and that's because some people just want more money but when I was praying about it and I said Lord what's the you know how are we supposed to judge our checks because they didn't have checks back then they had fruit and figs and wheat and animals and that was easily you got them you get five ten percent that was easy but nowadays they deduct so much but the lord showed me something about a tree a fruit tree when you have a fruit tree it brings forth a lot of fruits but some of it falls off some of it have worms in it some of it is unripened when it's time to reap and so whatever you get to take home You don't count the ones that are on the tree or the ones that are on the ground that you couldn't use. He said out of your increase what you get to take home. So when you cash your check and all they gave you was $500, but your check said you made $2,000, all your increase was only $500. All God expects is 10% of that, what you have. And then when you give 10%, then an offering is whatever is a free will out of your own heart. So he says, you rob me in tithes and offering." Now, if you're a thief, you're not going to make it into heaven. When you stand before God and he says, you've been stealing from me this whole time. You're not going to make it into heaven. But when you don't steal from God and you give him that 10% and then you give him an offering. Now, if you just want to give him a penny, be my guest. Give him a penny. As long as you're not a thief, that's all that matters. An offering, there's no limit on an offering. On your tithes, there is a limit, a minimum of 10%. That is the law. That is what God requires. In the way, because it tells every of them what the tithes and the offerings are, which was 10% of all their increase. And so when we do that, then the offering is anything over 10%. So if you give God 10% and then you say, well, you know what? I only want to give him a penny for offering. You're not a thief. You're not a thief. You didn't rob God. You gave and he will bless you. Now, this is the most beautiful thing about this. He says, verse 9, ye are cursed with the curse, for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. 10. Bring ye the tithes into the storehouses that there may be meat in mine house and prove me. Remember the first verse that we read today about the children. There's two promises that God made that are very big in the Bible. The first promise is, children, obey your parents in the Lord. And it will go well with you, and you will live a long life upon this earth. That is the first commandment with a promise. All the other commandments are just commandments. But that commandment has a promise to it. So if you keep that one, you obtain the promise. If you don't keep that one, you don't obtain the promise. This also is another one that is a commandment with a promise. It says... Prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. He's really challenging us. Do this and watch what I will do for you. Do this and see how much I will bless you. I will bless you so much you won't even have room enough to receive it. So when you get your little money or whatever, and, uh, and you're going to give your tithes, and the devil tells you, no, you can't pay that, dude. If you give those that much tithes, you can't pay this bill. And you say, okay, well, that, you know, that, that is correct. I can't pay this bill, so then I'm not going to pay my tithes because I can't pay this bill. Or I can't do this if I, if I do this, and I'm a very, very big victim of this. So then we don't. Then he says, if you don't, then you owe a fifth to that. So you get your check and you don't give 10%. Now you owe 15%. You get your next check and you don't give that 15% you owe and the 10%. Now you owe 5% to that. So at the end of the day, you are in so much debt. And we wonder why we're not really getting blessed. We wonder why we can't really lend to a lot of people. We wonder why we we make money, but... We're not really ahead. We're not behind because Jesus loves us and he cares and he doesn't want to see his children struggle. But we're not really blessed either because we're not doing what he told us to do. So we're kind of in this mode of, well, I really can't help nobody, but I I got what I need, but I really can't do anything else. We're in in that area. And that's not a good area to be in. Jesus is wanting us to be above. He said, verse 11, I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. And he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. And all nations shall call you blessed, for ye shall be a delightsome land, saith the Lord of hosts. Everybody that will see you will know you're blessed. When you prove God, but let me tell you why we fail. Because plat- giving tithes, children obeying your parents, standing up before the hoary head, given to hospitality, everything is a seed. Everything is a seed. You have to plant, it. then you have to water, and you have to leave it there, and you have to wait, and then you it starts to grow. But nothing happens without faith. So when you pay your tithes and offerings, not thinking it's going to work, this is a waste. I shouldn't be doing this. I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills. You are really, really contaminated your soil. You pour it. Gasoline in your soil, and then you plant your seed, and I really don't think you're going to get too much. But if you put fertilizer, which is prayer and faith and belief, and then you plant that seed, it will grow. It still takes time. But now, if you do all of that and you plant your seed, and there's fertilizer, and the soil is good, and it's nice and rich, and those little night crawlers are crawling around, and and it is a good. A piece of land and you plant your seed and then you wait a week and you say well I don't want it right there so I'm gonna pull it up and I'm gonna plant it over here and you waited a week and you say, you know what I don't like right there either that plant's never gonna grow so you pay your tithes one week and then the next week you don't and then the next month you do and then the next week you don't that plant's not gonna grow but if you leave it there and you water it and you have faith and you believe you want not it's the once it starts growing you're not going to have room enough to receive it you might have to struggle for a while and then another thing the lord showed me and wanted me to explain to everybody is that sometimes god's not going to give you money in return and the reason is because people some people don't know how to handle money let god give some of us a few thousand dollars extra Probably won't see some of us for a few weeks. And I know I was like that. I know good and well that God didn't give me a lot of money back in the day because I was that guy. So sometimes he don't give us a lot of money because he's not going to give us something that's going to destroy us. But what he'll do is he won't let your stuff break. Your washer will outlast everybody else's washing machine. Your heater will too. Your food will never go dry. Your clothes won't even be torn or rent. And the reason I know is because the children of Israel didn't have washers and dryers and all this delicate soap and downy and bounce sheets and, and fluffy dryers where you just hit fluff and it makes your clothes all nice and soft. They didn't have none of that. They had harsh soap, harsh water, hand scrubbing, hang to dry, sun cooked and their clothes didn't even get old for 40 years. God can preserve anything. Their shoes, I have not yet had a pair of shoes that lasted me three years. Their shoes lasted 40, and we're walking on carpet, concrete, grass. They were in the desert for 40 years. That's hard on shoes. For 40 years, their shoes didn't even get old. God can preserve anything that he wants to preserve, whether it's materialistic things or spiritual, he can preserve anything. So a lot of times the way God blesses us in return is instead of going to the hospital because we broke our leg and we spent $5,000 in the hospital, we just don't break the leg. Now we don't have the pain, the suffering, or the big hospital bill because God eliminated that as part of this is your blessing for giving me 10% 10% of what's already mine. And so we need to do this. If we do this this year, I won't have to be saying, Well, I need to go return this tool because I, I need gas. You know, I, I don't have to do that. I have everything I need. I'm not lacking anything, but I really can't help nobody either. Somebody just asked me yesterday, Can I borrow $30? I was, well, I was thinking about borrowing myself, <laughs> you know, so, and that's the truth because I have a little less than a quarter tank of gas and I have no money, so then I was gonna go return a tool that I don't use because I need gas money. We're not supposed to live like that. We're not supposed to be like that. God don't want us to. He said, I would you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. We're going to Matthew 5, 16 through 20.
2: Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say unto you, that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven.
1: Amen. So there it is. There Actually, we won't go to heaven if we're not keeping all of these. And it's not that hard. It's, the devil makes it seem hard. And he's a really, really good talker and can magnify the smallest things and make them look so humongous. And it's not really that big of a deal. But we have to keep these, think about this. If Jesus would have said, okay, from Malachi back to Genesis, we're gonna do away with all the law and the prophets and we're only gonna be under grace and truth. I, I don't think I would like that, and the reason is because if you read in because it says blessed will be you in the storehouses, and blessed will be this, and blessed will be your sheep, and you'll be blessed when you're going in, and blessed when you're coming out, and it says none of that in the New Testament. So I would rather receive the blessings and not eliminate them, because if he eliminates the, pro- the law, then he eliminates the promises, and I love the promises, so I would rather keep the law. He didn't say away with it because we need it. We need all of it. Every man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. If we do these things this year, I'll be able to lend that thirty dollars. I, I surely will because I have skipped on my ties a couple of times because I was like, man, I really don't have it. And 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 you have to. You cannot preach something you're not doing. You have to do and then preach it. And when I was at the house and the Lord began to tell me, you have to do. Before you can preach, I was, okay, I'm, I'm getting my teeth. I'm just going to go for it. Because you have to. You cannot lead a congregation and say, well, this is the promised land, but I'm going to stay over here. That's not called leading a congregation. That's called letting them go and you stay behind. You can't preach something and then you don't do it. You can't uh, say, well, we're going to live by every word of the Bible and you're not doing part of it. You, you can't. That's not the way that works. So then I had to start doing mine. Right now, I don't, I'm not really working that much, but still, if you find a $5 bill on the side of the road, you need to give God his. You just need to. And when we do this, we will be successful. Everybody will know that we are a blessed people if we do this. We're going to 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 10. But
2: this I say... He which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountiful shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity. For God loveth a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that he, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. As it is written, He hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor. His righteousness remaineth forever. Now he that ministereth seed to the sower both minister bread for your food. And multiply your seed some and increase the fruits of your righteousness.
1: If we do these things, he will increase the fruits of our righteousness. Now we're going to go way beyond just these materialistic things. We're going to start going to our own selves. Give God 10% of yourself, of your day. Out of a 24-hour period, you need to give God at least two and a half hours every single day. That is giving God 10% of your increase. You've received that day, you've got that life, you need to give God that time back. And watch spiritually how much you grow. And I found out giving 10% of every day is not an easy task sometimes. It feels almost impossible you, especially if you don't like to get up early in the morning. Your day is done, I mean fast. Before you know it, I'm trying to squeeze in the last 30 minutes before 12 o'clock and jesus doesn't really always want the leftovers at least give him some of it in the morning when you wake up give him the first fruits of your substance you wake up in the morning give it to god give him praise give him more than just 30 seconds lord thank you jesus for waking me up this morning as i'm running late for work he really condemned my heart one day i was working at job i got up in the morning i had to be at work and i was tired so i kept hitting snooze and then I said, oh, man, I got to be there for work or else I'm going to be late. So I jumped out of bed. As I'm getting dressed, I'm going oh, to thank you, Jesus, for waking me up this morning. And my heart condemned me so bad. He was like that. I don't even want to hear that. That's like the leftovers. I, I don't want none of that. So I stopped doing that. And I had to get up earlier because Jesus doesn't want that. That's like, remember Cain and Abel? They both gave a sacrifice, but Cain gave the best, and Abel did Or Abel gave the best, and Cain did not That's kind of what we're doing when we give God the leftovers while I pray and, and read the last. Give him the first. If you have to get up a little bit earlier, it's fine. Give God the first. He said he wants the first of our substance. We wake up in the morning. We're blessed with a brand new day. His mercies are new. His compassion is new. His forgiveness is new. It's a brand new day. Give him some of it at least an hour and then go on about your day and give him the other hour and a half before the day ends. At least try to do that and watch how our lives will change and we'll be able to lend to many nations. We will see God be able to work and move not only in this physical world but in the spiritual world. We will see people be able to be delivered. They will have something because if we don't have it, we can't give something we don't have. But if we have the fruits of the spirit and he increases the fruits of our righteousness, we will be able to give it to everybody else. We will be able, oh, you need compassion. I have a bunch of that. You need love. I have a bunch of that. You need long suffering. I got a lot of that. Our patience will run really thin when you don't have something. Get hungry and see how much patience you have. You'll be starting to get mad at the fast food aisle because they're taking too long with your food and it hasn't really even been that long, but you're hungry. Want something really bad that you don't have and your patience becomes really thin because you need what you need. But when we have everything because God has increased the fruits of our righteousness, we can be long-suffering with that hard-headed person that just don't want to change. And God keeps saying, show them love. We will have the long-suffering and the patience and the kindness to be able to witness to that person no matter how long they take to change because we have everything that we need. So if we do these things and we keep these commandments and we show hospitality and we love one another and we give our 10% of both spiritually and physically, we will be blessed. And remember, he said, if you sell so sparingly, you're gonna reap sparingly. You give me $2 and you could have gave me 10, I'm only gonna give you 11 because I did promise to give you more. You could have gave me two and a half hours of your day. I'm only going to bless you for a portion. You only get a little tiny blessing because you want to be stingy. I know how to be stingy too. Jesus treats people the way we treat him. and A lot of people didn't agree with me on that, but that is the word of God. He said, to the froward, I will show myself froward. To the humble, I will show myself humble. To the merciful, I will show myself merciful. He treats you the way you treat him. And the way we treat each other is the way we treat him. So think about it. Don't let him say, well, you suck sparingly, you only get sparingly back. Give, and way more spiritual than anything in this world. I would rather give a tiny bit of offering and reap a little bit of this carnal things, but give him your life, your time. The more you spend with Jesus, oh man, the more blessed you will be in everything that you do. Because if Jesus is there, it's blessed. It, It doesn't have a choice but to be blessed. So if you got Jesus along with you everywhere you go, Everything you got is going to be blessed. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Amen. We're going to open up the altar. If anyone needs prayer, just come up. face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon
0: thee and give thee peace. The word of God that you have heard and received with an open heart to live it out actively with all of your being will yield you a bountiful return. Thank you for listening to this message as I hope it has been a blessing to you. Our goal is to show you the path of life and an opportunity of a lifetime. It is Christ's love and support that makes this opportunity possible. Please visit Guided Way Ministries online for more products, partnership, or to join. Visit us on Anchor to become a listener supporter. May God bless you, may He keep you, may He shine His face always upon you, and may He forever keep you.